Thank you, LJ. Um, he is one of our newest members in the choir, so um, what a blessing that he can join. Uh, what a blessing that we have another male in the choir. So um, we're praying on it. Yeah, we get more. Yeah. Join LJ, join the other boys. Okay, uh, thank you, LJ. But good evening, everyone. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Thank you. Um, it's a blessing to be up here so soon, uh, once again, to be able to preach to you all. Uh, I preached last Sunday. Um, but yeah, I'm really blessed to be able to um, come up here once again. And I hope that everyone here, you guys are all ready to listen to. God's Word. So, um, truth be told, I'm still going to continue on my topic uh, last Sunday um, because I was not near finishing that. So, once again, if you are taking notes, that was on responsibilities. So, um, <coughs> yeah. Responsibilities. So, yeah, I didn't get to finish when I was, um, my parents were stopping me early. So, yeah, I had to keep. Um, up there, but um, yeah. So uh, I just wanted to share a quote relating, you know, to myself being up here because it was a quote that I was reminded of, and it was one that I um, then I can't remember who said it, but I think it was either Brother Micah or Pastor Leatherman, but um, Levy can probably correct me here. But one of the quotes he said is the um, is this: "Is um, you are only truly happy." when you are doing things for the Lord. Um, and I, I, I got revealed this just when I was studying for this, these messages. So, so I'll say that again. You are only truly happy when you are doing things for the Lord. And one of the biggest joys for me is seeing, I guess, the hard work that you put in, or the time and effort that you put in, and then just being able to see, see it bear fruit, because you don't see it often. But those times are, you know, the most exciting times when you're hard work or yeah, there's fruit. So you guys can remember the, the verse that I kept repeating to you guys uh, last Sunday, First Corinthians chapter three, verse number eight. Uh, I'm not starting yet, don't worry. But First Corinthians three eight. Uh, now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. Yeah, that was the phrase that I kept on drilling onto you guys. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor, and a bit of a story here relating to that, you know, you're only truly happy when you're doing things for the Lord. As you do, and I know the men here, when you are tasked to preach, it's our responsibility to really study hard. It's our responsibility to um, uh, put in the hours. It really is, um, it takes a long time to prepare a preaching. Um, you have to pray, you have to um, spend countless hours just on your desk sitting down, just looking at your Bible and, you know, getting inspiration. And, you know, God told me to really, you need to, you need to focus or you need to study more because truth be told in my previous preachings, it would be like very last minute, the day before, night before. And, yeah, so that whole, that whole week preparing on Sunday was just preparing, brainstorming, whatever God put in my head. And then even Friday, I had Polly as my study buddy, accountability. Um, 
and even all of until Saturday, we were studying together, and I was, I kept annoying her, just being like, Holly, what's your responsibilities? What do you do at home? What do you do in church? Um, music ministry, singing, whatever, and, she, and I just kept annoying her, and I was, um, she was my test dummy, I guess. I showed her my, uh, you know, if you guys could remember my object lesson with the five, five cups and then the water. She was confused what I was like, trying to explain because I guess I didn't explain it properly. So I was like, okay, I need to do some changes, etc. And um, you know, by God's grace, that was me putting in the, like I said, my preaching the time and the effort to keep going. Um, the girls, they were next to me being loud, discussing some ideas that I was able to extract from them. And where am I going with this? Um, I said before in the quote, you are only truly happy when you were doing things for the Lord. And one of the biggest joys is seeing your hard work bear fruit. And yeah, you know, it was, um, it might be hard physically preparing for a preaching, but um, spiritually, you know, you're really happy. And um, not um, once again, I saw this responsibility of me preaching here, it, it did uh, bear fruit. Um, not Okay, once again, I say this a lot, I'm not trying to boast or get your attention, get your approval, but after the service, um, I think any preacher would know, but one of the best feelings are people coming up to you and being, oh, Adrian, or thank you for the message, or thank you for preaching, you know, that message was convicting, I was blessed, and that is truly one of the best feelings or best things to hear when you have worked uh, hours sitting down I'm listening to God's word. Had Brother Cody come up to me. I had Brother Mark come up to me. They were saying, "Thank you for the message." And these are people that uh, I look up to. These are people that are I, I consider a lot more spiritually mature. So it's just uh, a blessing and a joy because the time that I put in, uh, like I said it before, the effort and the time that I put in, it did um, pay off. Or I, I watered the plant and. The responsibility towards the church and it paid off. So, just a small little, I guess, food for thought um, that I wanted to focus on. So, we will, once again, we will continue. Uh, if you are taking notes, we will continue on the topic of responsibilities. You can just write down responsibilities part two or something. But um, if you did miss it, um, I will endorse it again. But if you guys didn't know, our church. Uh, records, well, most, not all, but most of our sermons, and you can hear that on the website, sermonaudio.com, sermonaudio.com, just search up Mount Zion, Bible Baptist, and you can Adrian Fidelia, and it'll pop up. So if you are, if you ever got convicted or blessed by a message, just go back there. We have messages there from three years ago. We have previous camps on there. We have the previous soul winning on Bible there. So if you are, you know, if you felt convicted, maybe you felt hoped. I want to hear that again, just go to that website and Brother Tim and Brother Matt will make sure to get all of our sermons up there. So once again, okay, just Brother Tim, um, sermonaudio.com if you are curious. So, um, yeah, before I continue on, let's all bow our heads and pray. And um, yeah, so let's bow our heads and let's pray. Uh, Father God, Lord, Thank you for today. Thank you that we can all gather here to listen to your words. Thank you that we were able to show up, Lord. Thank you that we can um, um, really take the chance to learn more about you even though we are tired. 
And I thank you that we can, uh, this film, uh, we're faithful enough to come along. Lord, Lord, please put your words in my mouth. Give me your wisdom. And um, I pray that you uh, use my nerves, Lord, and just continue to be with the congregation here. Give them alertness. Give them energy. And I pray that they may be able to learn new things as I preach my And Lord, just continue to be with us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright. So I want to just give a small recap. Maybe you weren't here, or maybe uh, it's good to have a refresher so you can uh, really get the gears moving. But, um, and also, repetition is the best way to learn. So I'll just give a small recap. Maybe you can be looking at your previous notes. But I gave you the definition of responsibilities. And that is, responsibilities are things that you are supposed to do. Responsibilities are things you are supposed to do. And with those responsibilities, you need to be able to fully accept the results of your actions. So whatever responsibility you have, if you make a mistake in it, you have to be able to fully accept the results of your actions. If you have a job, and you mess up in your job, then it is your fault, it is up to you to bear and fully accept the results of your own actions. And I said here that everyone has a different responsibility. Some outrank the other. Some of them are more, uh, will take up more of your time. But yeah, you need to accept uh, fully the results of your responsibilities. I talked about the responsibilities in the church. That was the first point there. And, uh, and I said here, um, everyone has a responsibility. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor, deacon, you uh, leaders in the church. If you're just a normal person sitting there, you have your own responsibility. And um, I said um, there was a bare minimum. Uh, you guys are doing that bare minimum right now. And I emphasize it a lot, but that was to be present at every church service and to be there at every church gathering. So I thank you guys for um, coming here. I thank you guys, uh, even if your flesh is tired, if you're still able to be present at every church service and every church gathering. So, um, yeah, so, you know, I, I told you guys, you know, how can you serve God if you are not present? And um, how can you learn more about God if you're not in the church? Or how can you be convicted if you're not there? So, good job on you guys for taking your time to um, come here. So, um, you know, it is unfortunate that um, a lot of people didn't come today, but that's okay. We continue to pray for those people. Uh, I pray that, you, um, that they may be convicted, maybe, and that they can change a few things in their life that will allow them to be able to come here. And um, yeah, moving on. So, the, the verse there, um, this verse really it's important to me now um, about responsibilities. This is my lock screen. It reminds me, uh, hey, go water your plant. Or hey, put in more time and effort towards your responsibilities in the church. And it, it's, it drives me forward. And um, yeah, now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall um, receive his own award according, according to his own labor. So uh, can't wait. Uh, I'm sure you guys can't wait. When God rewards us in heaven, or even in here, when we show that we are putting in our time and effort to go on. I, um, uh, I showed the object lesson of the five cups, five pops, five seeds, and the water being the time and the effort. Um, and the relationship with the water and the plant. The plant will grow, 
and you get more rewards. So, um, yeah, I'll just, there's a lot here, but I'll just move on. Uh, second point, responsibilities in the outside world. And first major one that I talked about was your testimony. Um, your testimony is your responsibility. Uh, how do people perceive you? And um, how, you know, how are you acting when you're not in the doors of the church? And can, the most important question, can people see God's presence within you? Uh, Matthew 5.16, you don't have to turn there, uh, but let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. Um, so, yeah, how is your light? Um, I told a short story that I hid my light for the longest time, or I was embarrassed, or I didn't let others see my good works. And if that means you can glorify God. But, um, yeah, a lot of us are hiding our light. A lot of us are trying to just fit into the world. And yeah, we don't, we don't have any changes. So that's the end of the recap, actually. Um, so I'll be starting on, I, I talked about it last week as well, but I'll be, today I'll be starting on the, uh, our words, our tongue, our vocal language. I covered this already last, uh, last Sunday. But I just sort of rushed it, so I'm going to revisit it right now. So if you're taking notes, I'll be starting on the um, vocal image of us Christians. So, um, yeah, just to um, say again, but, yeah, we'll start here. So, your mouth, the way you talk, the way you um, talk to your friends, your family, and strangers is a big part of our testimony. So if you were to assess your vocal image or you know how how you hear your voice, can you like are you a confident person? Are you a loud person? Um, are you very outspoken or are you those Christians that are very um, maybe, might be mean? And actually, a lot of us here were uh, passive aggressive, not knowing so. Um, some of the things you might say can insinuate a mean thing, and you know some of us don't realize. Another one, sarcastic. I think that's one that goes underneath our radar. Um, you might just try to be funny, so you be sarcastic, but it could come up as rude. So uh, you have to assess that. Assess your vocal image. Uh, I'll bring you guys to a verse we read last week. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. If you guys could turn with me. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Uh, welcome to the people that just came in. We appreciate you coming here. Uh, please turn to, with us to Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 29. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So, I'll just break up that verse, um, but I'm sure anyone already knows what it is. Let no corrupt. That's the first one. What does that mean? So, let no corrupt means let no rotten or bad words proceed out of your mouth. Say that again. Any rotten or bad words, let that not proceed out of your mouth. Instead, what does the verse say to do? But that which is good to the use of edifying. Uh, edifying means to um, build up. So to build up one another 
you know, complementing someone. Having, most importantly, having a positive tone and to uplift one another. That's what it means to edify one another. So, you know, think to yourself, am I showing communication out of my mouth or am I edifying this person? Am I building them up? Am I making them comfortable? Um, you, gotta, you have to think about all these things. So, um, yeah, keep this voice in your head because um, keep this verse in your head uh, because um, yeah, we ought to keep um, edifying one another um, among your um, friends here, among your church peers. So, yeah, moving on. So, your voice, it is a very powerful tool. Um, it's a very, um, it's a tool that can destroy or build up. And it is our greatest asset, but it can also be our greatest downfall. And we don't think about that much. The words that we say and um, the communication that we spew out. So turn to James chapter 3, verse 6. six. James chapter 3, verse number 6, and also verse number 8. James 3.6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defiles the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Um, verse number 8, but the tongue can no man tame, it is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. So what do these verses mean? The tongue is described as a fire. It will burn anything that it touches. And you know, when you, let's say you get burnt on your skin, it will leave a burn mark. Your mouth and your tongue is a fire. Meaning the words that you say, it will leave a mark, it will leave a lasting impression for however long, who knows, depends on what you said on that person that you said that to. And the tongue, verse eight, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. So, you have to be careful with the things that you say. Um, not just with your um, friends and family. It could be any, anyone. So just, um, yeah, the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body. It will ruin the people around you. It will ruin the different members of the church, depending on what you say. If you were to slip up, you can destroy another person in this church. It can really hurt someone, and it can divide people. Um, and yeah, but the tongue can no maintain it is a really evil full of deadly poison. Um, you know, poison doesn't kill straight away depending on what it is. It just, it can kill over time. So you might think that you said something, but it can still affect them weeks down the line. It will still remember. Everyone always remembers the negative things. Everyone always remembers the, the negative thing you said. And yeah, you ought to be careful. Your tongue will reveal, uh, if you want to write this down, it's important. Your tongue will uh, truly reveal your true personality. So you can change how you look. I can change my physical image. I, you know, I can put on, you know, I can put on a suit and tie, I can put on a shirt. Uh, I can put on nice clothes, I, I've changed my physical image in a few minutes. But you can't change your vocal image straight away. It will, it will reveal um, your true personality and you will slip up if you're trying to act as someone else. So it's, it's hard to change your voice straight away. Um, 
And I said before that, with just one sentence, your mouth is a fire. You can destroy someone's day, destroy their week, their month, their year. Depends on what it is. Or, um, if you change that with just one sentence, you can make someone's day, their month, their week, their year. Um, just small little things that you say, even like gratitude, a thank you, can change someone's day to, in a positive way. I remember, uh, if you guys could remember in the um, Seoul in the Bible, on the way back home, the church stopped at um, Taco Bell. Um, so we went to Taco Bell, we ate there, and after eating, um, what I like to do, because I work in hospitality, is what I always try and do is to thank the servants. Just, if I see them, I just say, on the way leave, just say thank you, to show gratitude of the food that they served you, and the service that they gave you. And I, like they weren't, so there was no person there, I, I made sure to wait. Like people were already leaving, but I made sure to wait. until so I said, thank you, and then I, I remember I went to Mafa. I was like, Mafa, go thank your service. She didn't do that. So, <laughs> I was like, Mafa, go thank your service. And then she, she also waited, like, oh, thank you. Now, why I do that, you couldn't see their face light up. They're working a, um, a hard job. I know their pain, I worked in a Mexican restaurant myself. I know the pain of hospitality. I know it's annoying when a group of 15 Filipinos come along and order the whole menu. Um, yeah, and you know, just that one little sentence, just that one little thank you is going to brighten their day up. I remember, you know me, for those of you that know me, I'm the most forgetful person here. You can tell me something today, I will forget tomorrow. But I still remember when that nice lady said thank you, when that nice lady gave a compliment to me when I'm working. I still remember that. So, and I'm, I'm not actually sure, but I'm pretty sure this happened. But someone in our church, um, they gave the tracks to those top of the members. Alright, Brother Roldan, yeah, he gave a track to um, those Taco Bell employees. Now, I'll just change it up. If I gave one, uh, I didn't give him a track, but if I gave a track, and then I also had a positive testimony, just saying thank you. That's easy enough, right? Just saying thank you to the servers, and um, they have the positive thinking of you, and they have the track. If, with your positive testimony, they would be more inclined to read the track. They would be more inclined to read um, the positive track because of what you did to them. You made them feel better. Oh, I'll read what this random guy gave to me. So um, that's just the example of a power of your mouth, your words. Two little words, thank you, and thank you from Mafa. That, you know, they, they'll remember that. Um, so, yeah. Now I'm going to ask you guys to, okay, this is the first time I've heard a vocal image. How do I, how do I assess that? How do I know what my vocal image is? I have a, I'll just say two ways, but this morning actually I tried to, um, I just videoed myself. <laughs> I introduced myself to a camera, and you know, it's really awkward. So don't do any prior thinking of how you're introducing yourself. Just, just get your phone out, put it down, and just like introduce yourself to your camera, and um, just just go on for like a minute. And how I did, I noticed I was like I was very awkward. Okay, and that's that's just how it is. I had a lot of and um, uh, and yeah, and um, that that's my vocal image. I had a lot of awkward pauses. And that'll show you how you are like with, because you know you're feeling awkward with the camera, 
you also feel awkward with the people you first meet, especially when they're introverted or when they're hard to talk to. A lot of ahs and ums and you're not confident. That's, so that's how you can assess your vocal image. Are you confident? Are you loud? Are you talking too much? Are you being like <laughs> uh, a little aggressive? You never know. But it's just a fun little thing to try. Go home, get your phone out, just record yourself and introduce yourself to a camera. You will laugh, but you can see. Anyway, moving on. Not even just that, or, or the easier way. Um, you can just observe yourself when you go out in a public setting, when you go out and talk to strangers. Go out and go to uni, go out and work. Just observe how you are with strangers. Um, I put on like a fake match, but um, that's just how it is. <laughs> um, so observe how you act, observe how you talk. Um, your goal when you're out there is for other people to see God's presence within you. So how do you talk? How do you act? And can people really tell that, oh, that person is different, that person has a positive vocal image, physical image, and, or uh, are they able to see God within you? Sometimes some people can't tell that. And I'll give examples regarding your vocal image, whether people can um, see your vocal image. So first example here. Kind of biased, but look, don't get angry at your servers. <laughs> or the people serving you food or giving you a service, don't get angry at them. Yeah, but you might have asked for a steak or you get some chicken. I don't know. But there's no need to scream at them, no need to get super angry at them. Just gladly say, Excuse me, this is the wrong order. That would have meant it's wrong, of course. Not in that. Sarcastic tone. Or if somebody gets angry in your job, are you gonna get angry back? Or are you just gonna join, like, feed off of their anger as well? A few of us do. Um, or are you um, gonna, you know, be calm? And when you're calm, you can see uh, um, God's presence within you. Or if someone is underperforming, that is one of my pet peeves. If someone in my workplace is underperforming, <laughs> your reaction is to want to tell them off or scream at them. But there's no need for that. Um, if you scream at them, they'll probably make them do worse, in all honesty. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's how you talk to people. Are you, there's almost never a time when you need to scream at Um But if people can be comfortable with you, then that's pretty much a good sign. Or do they have to be wary around you? You never know. Everyone's different here. So that was, that's just your vocal image with your just random people, with strangers. I'm going to focus on here now is your vocal image with your friends and your family. So this is probably the one that I wanted to focus on. But yeah, I said assessing your vocal image. And I think the best way to tell that is with your friends and family. Why? Because those are the people that you are comfortable with. Those are the people where your true voice comes out, your true personality comes out. The true Adrian comes out, the true Sam comes out, the true Akati comes out. When you're with your friends and your family, now that's when you can assess, okay, how's my tone, my real tone, my real song? Am I sarcastic? Am I passive-aggressive? I'm telling you, that's a big thing in this church, passive-aggression. You might not um, realize it, but no, I'm telling you right now, there's a few of us here. We struggle 
<laughs> but some of us struggle with that passive aggression. But, okay, they know who they are. But, um, yeah, if there is a small thing, a small chance that what you can say might offend this other person, then don't say it. Just keep your mouth shut. Um, if what you say might invoke a negative reaction with this person, then don't say it. It's that simple. Um, and I'll say this now. Especially if you are in a position or a place of higher leadership. You are a youth leader, one of the pastors, um, pastor, or one of the, the deacons, you know. If you are um, looked upon, then especially you, you got to be careful with your pilgrimage and the things that you say because the people that look up to you, you are always watched. You have more of an impact. So that's, must, that's including myself and the other people now. Um, yeah, so um, pretty much the older that you get, the more careful you need to be. Because the young ones will always look up to the older ones. That's human nature. Um, you have eyes on you often. And make sure that what they see, not just what they see, what they hear, is, um, um, is something godly. Make sure that they can see God's presence within you. And now, um, I'll say this now. I'll focus on this. Parents. Be especially careful. Um, you have to be especially careful with your kids. So the teenagers or the small kids, of course, they're the flag, the natural reaction is that they always look up. The kids always look up to the parents. The kids always look up to the leaders, but most especially the parents. And what you will say, whatever you say, whatever you do, they will always leave a lasting impression. Whatever you think is small. They will remember it until the end of time. Um, especially the kids while they are as young as they are, depending on how young they are, but that is when they are the most um, vulnerable. That is when they're um, the most vulnerable to these hurtful things, to these um, hurtful influences. Um, they are the most vulnerable to what um, you say and what you do. Um, if your child messes up, that's normal, that's very all the time that your child will mess up. You don't need to verbally shame them. You don't need to get um, angry with them. Now I realize that sometimes it is needed. Maybe um, depending on, I guess, the severity of what that child did. But please take note that there is always a difference between discipline and just pure anger. Um, so, you know, give them feedback. Give them advice. Yeah, if, if you're just getting angry, you're not building a relationship with your children. So don't give, don't just give them attitude and extra worries or extra negative emotions. So you gotta be really careful with, I said your children, especially children. Um, you can turn to Ephesians chapter six, verse number four, um, which is a pretty famous verse, but I'll say here, Ephesians six, four. Um, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So, this verse says fathers, but that could apply to both parents and also a leader. Um, you are also in charge of your children on Sunday. It is um, your responsibility to, to provoke not you know, the children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Bring them up in a godly way, bring them up in the influence of the church and of the of good. Godly reputation. So, um, 
Let me just say another side point, but because actually this is something that a lot of kids have complained to me about. So parents, uh, be careful. But a lot of kids have complained about this from here in the youth, from kids even in, like from my school. Um, I've heard this from them. But um, this one here is to not compare your children. And I don't think um, there's not a single situation in which comparing your child is the right option to say. Um, I've had people complain to me about it, and, and it does happen a lot. Um, so you should really never need to have to compare your children. Don't compare them with your siblings, especially their friends. It doesn't motivate them. Doesn't um, you know make them feel oh that's a good point no they will resent you for it if they're feeling compared and they will feel um, I guess um, immature compared to the other person oh look at your don't say oh look at your brother or look at your sister look at this friend of yours doesn't make them think yeah no you're right I'm gonna talk why don't I just do that that's not what they're gonna think all it does is it'll just add salt to the all it does is just kick them down when they're already um, falling. It just makes them feel worse. So that's just a smaller thing that I got told that God wanted me to talk about. Be careful and to not compare. If we this, um, I guess when they're feeling compared all the time, um, they will compare themselves. So it's not just you comparing, or the, the parents comparing them. They will compare themselves with other people. And that will ruin their mental, emotional health, whatever. I had someone in the youth come up to me and they just nonchalantly just compare themselves to someone that's the same age. They just compare themselves to someone, one of their friends from a different city. And um, of course that will just ruin their thinking. They're just um, always comparing with um, the next person. and. Um, I just told them, um, and I'll say it here, but there's a quote, um, and um, I think Sam knows that really well, but the quote was, the only person that you should be comparing yourself to is the person you were yesterday. Not anyone else, not the brother, not the sister, not this random friend of theirs. Just, yeah, anyways, just a little tangent there. Um, basically, whenever you want to say something, you have to ask yourself, is this edifying them? Is this building them up or am I putting them down? Is this corrupt communication? Whatever this sentence that I'm about to say. You better think about this and uh, turn back to Ephesians 4.29. I'm going to keep saying this verse. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, building somebody another person up, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Of course, when this person is getting built up, they will appreciate it. They will come to you. They will improve their relationship with you. They will be comfortable with you. So, edifying. Building up the other person. And the opposite, corrupt communication. If you are seen with a bad time, the kids will remember. That's the only time when they have good memory is when something negative happens. The kids will remember it and it will be harder for you than for the parents. So now, so that was the people outside the um, world. Now, um, it's, we're still on the topic of this vocal image, and I'm sorry for keeping sounding like a broken record, but I'll keep going. Um, regarding the people in the church, so your, 
your testimony and your responsibility of your, um, how you sound in the church, in your tongues. Now once again, if you are a higher position, you better be careful. Youth leaders, the men and women in the church, the preachers, imagine myself, I'm one of the youth leaders in the church. You guys are entrusting me with your kids for three or four hours in a day. You guys are entrusting me to be a positive influence. You guys are entrusting me for these kids to have fun. That is my role. This, that's the role that God gave, gave to me and Pastor Adrian gave to me. But let's imagine this. If you guys entrust me with these kids and you gave me the responsibility to take care of them in your behalf, um, imagine if I was just like embarrassing the kids or um, yelling at them constantly or if I'm making them feel uncomfortable for those four hours or I'm shaming them. Would you feel comfortable as a parent? No. Would you want to send your kids back to the youth group if the leaders were acting like that? Of course not. So yes, myself and the other three leaders here, I think that uh, we do need to reflect. We need to um, maybe have a small meeting about how we're dealing with the youth, how we're talking to them, because including myself, I know I'm not going to blame you. <laughs> I know myself. Uh, we do make mistakes, and we do go overboard. I understand it's fun to tease people. <laughs> It is fun to tease people. And I get that we are all very close as a youth group. So there's no one's holding that. Everyone, everything <laughs> just comes out. And look, they're laughing. They know, they're all looking at the same person. But look, we need to be careful. We are the leaders. We carry additional weight and baggage. I'm only saying this here. But it is accountability for everyone here. You know, now we got the parents watching us now. So, yeah, uh, not just not just the leaders, the youth as well. But we really do have to be careful, especially like I said, the younger ones look up to us, and they will remember. They will um, be influenced by you. So, actually, you know, I wanted to. This is a bit of a random thing here, but I do believe that even myself. But I know for sure the other youth. Uh, where's Nehemiah? Hello, Nehemiah. Uh, I'm gonna say this now. Uh, Nehemiah, I'm sorry if I've ever made you feel bad or feel sorry. And I bet you other youth, you guys need to do that too. I'm being serious here. Some of you youth, you guys need to apologize to Nehemiah because we've heard of him. Let's be honest. And some, yeah, I'm actually, you know what? Like, I'm actually very proud of him. How old is he? Are you eight or nine? Sorry, I Nine. He is nine years old. I think some of us forget about that. He's nine years old. He's already, he was doing the laptop. He's doing the sound system. He's starting to play the piano. If he's our usher, he's preached at our men's meeting. He is nine years old. He is nine years old, okay? Um, you guys have to understand that because I guess, um, I don't want to embarrass him, but <laughs> some of us see him as like a little trauma king or emotional or something. He's nine years old, guys. So, you know, actually, I thought about something that actually felt really bad. So I'll say sorry now, Nehemiah, but I, I do think that um, some of you youth some of you sisters do need to apologize to Nehemiah. Um, I genuinely believe that, I was thinking about this earlier, but because of some of us, 
some of the things that we say, some of the things that the youth said, well, not, even, not even just the youth, the whole church. <laughs> Uh, so I think that the church and the stuff that we do, it really made him the way that he is. Now, like I said, Nehemiah 9, I've said this five times already, but for a nine-year-old, he is already very socially conscious. For an, he's a nine-year-old, and he's very socially conscious. Let me ask you, is that edifying him? No. He's nine years old. Um, you know, like, yeah, he's already, um, when I was in that, I not to worry about anything. He's, he's doing the things in the church, and then he's like, now he's sometimes getting embarrassed over some simple things. There was a time when um, the youth, we had a game, or actually, I don't remember that much, but the youth had a game, and Nehemiah messed up, or dropped something, and the whole youth, I'm not, I, I, I was part of it. The whole youth like, oh my uh. <laughs> And of course, if the people that he looks up to and 20 other kids is looking at him saying, oh, of course he's going to be sensitive, of course he's going to be socially conscious. And I only realized recently, so, you know, Nehemiah, you're doing a good job, but that's an example of only our vocal image. Yeah, we might be, oh, it'll just character development, he'll grow up well. He's socially conscious of that. So you have to, we have to really be careful with the younger ones. And I get that he's not like poster boy, or you know, he's the pastor's child, and he gets, you know, but still, we have to be really careful with these younger ones. Anyway, that's just something that I haven't thought of. But moving on, um, it reminds me of this whole vocal image thing in the church and how we're talking to each other. It reminded me of Brother Micah. Um, he preached on the tools that Satan uses to destroy Christians, or to destroy the church. And there, are, uh, I'm not sure if everyone has heard it, but there are four deeds, pretty much. And I'll give you two of them. So, first one here is discouragement. So, one of the four tools that Satan uses to discourage, uh, destroy Christians. First one, discouragement. So, if our vocal image, or if what we will say, will hurt the other person, if it will make them feel bad, if it will make them feel uncomfortable, that will ruin their mood. And guess what? That is discouragement. It's as simple as that. Whatever you say that will hurt the other, that is discouraging them. One of the four D's. So, keep in mind, this isn't Satan doing that. This is your own kin. This is your own um, siblings in Christ discouraging you. Now, because of that discouragement, they don't want to be near you anymore. They are less likely to come up and talk to you, or they will communicate you, communicate to you less and less. Because every time they talk to you, that little thought comes up. Oh, is it, remember what that person said to me? They don't remember that. And they will talk to you less and less, and ultimately, of course, that ruins their relationship with you. So, the ruining of a relationship, you know what that is? Satan's second tool, divisiveness. Those, so those two really link together. Um, divisiveness. What that means is basically dividing and or separating um, in terms of the relationship. So, our mouth and our tongue can be used in divisiveness, meaning the discouragement that you give to another Christian 
will make the congregation divide, or will make you in the relationship with another person divide. You're not going to want to talk to it. That's divisiveness. Um, so, yeah, like I said before, that's not the devil doing that. That's your own fears, your own kin in the church doing that. Um, so, divisiveness. So, if you discourage the person, then of course they don't want to be near you. That's divisiveness. They don't want to be near you. Um, if one person doesn't like the other, unfortunately, they are going to remove themselves from you. If the person doesn't like you, the natural reaction, they're going to not want to be around you. Or even worse, and this does happen unfortunately, but because they don't like you, they might be, you know, they might even back them They will talk behind your back. Filipinos love to do that. Also, talking behind someone's back, getting, just speaking, getting someone, someone's opinion on it. And you know what that does? Is, let's say, I hate money. And I told the whole youth that I hate living. <laughs> and if they, you know, and if those people are more, I guess, biased or they like it more or something, you know what's going to happen is that those other people that I talk to, they're going to keep living. So what I'm meaning here is that just start with two people, but it will get bigger. When you talk behind someone's back, when you're telling someone else these things, it will make the other people divide from Levi. So you've got to be careful with the things that you say. So, if this is something related to you, you have a sour relationship with someone in the church, um, maybe you have a grudge on someone, or you're keeping something hidden towards someone, and I really do advise that you pray about it, first of all, and that you can um, take it upon yourself to either apologize or to talk to that person because there is a divisiveness among you and that person and that could potentially cause divisiveness with the other people in the church. We are meant to be one family, we are meant to be um, members in a body that help each other out. If my right arm doesn't like my left arm, what is that? You know, if my right arm is disagreeing with the movement of my left arm, I can't walk. But uh, some of you guys, I don't know. Personally, I don't. Yeah, I don't have any grudges towards anyone in the church. I hope no one has any grudges towards me. But if you do, please come talk to me. I'm willing to prove you wrong. I'm willing to um, apologize and maybe I didn't make a mistake. And I apologize now. So, that's the church. Um, so, once again, think of your vocal image and the church, the people around you. I don't want a church that will divide. We've gone through some of that in our church before. When we first started out, it's the last thing that we want to happen again. So, if you have, if you're feeling sour towards someone, maybe God's telling you to fix that. Maybe God's telling you, okay, I'm going to go back to this. No. Why um, want to continue feeling this discouragement and divisiveness over your own pride? You guys think about that. Anyway, we'll continue on. I've always talked about the negatives, but um, Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. Colossians chapter 4, verse number 6. Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. 
Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. I'll read it again. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. So once again, I'd like to break up these verses so we can better understand. But let your speech be always. I think that's self-explanatory. What does always mean? Always, all the time, without stopping, without failure. Let your speech be always with grace. So um, showing acts that will glorify God, talking in a way that will glorify God, um, um, talking in a way that will encourage the people that don't know God to, you know, want to come to church. Uh, there is a next phrase that you might find confusing: season with salt. I was confused by that, but. What does that mean, or what does that symbolize? Basically, yeah, the salt here, uh, among the Greeks back then, um, salt was the embodiment of basically um, being smart or wit. So salt was the embodiment of um, wits or being smart. So that's what it um, symbolizes. So that means our speech or our conversation needs to be smart. So meaning you need to have a knowledge of the Bible. You need to have like a knowledge of our doctrine and some verses. So when someone comes up to you and asks you a question, I mean, uh, I don't know. Well, we've lost the soul. I'm not trying to shame you. You know what? That happened to me. Um, on the way back, on a flight, uh, me and Levy from Australia, I tried to share the gospel with the man next to me. So um, there's three of us, Levy, me, and then this old man. But um, he asked me some. I tried to share the gospel. He asked me some questions, and what? I did not know the verse. I didn't know what to say, and then I just I let him dominate the conversation. I lost it. It was a chance to um, share the gospel, but you know, because of my lack of ability, my lack of knowledge of the Bible, I lost the soul. Uh, I guess it's alright because I gave him the track, I gave him the contact details, so the seed was, uh, has been planted, but that's still a rare one. Uh, we'll just leave it to God. So, um, yeah, so seasoned with salt means to be smart and having a knowledge of the Bible. So, knowing everything that we need to know, I think it's very important that we memorize our verses. I'm probably one of the weakest in memorizing verses. Um, and um, the only time where I really memorize is when somebody tells me, or if they were a team camp. So um, I, I need to work on that, and I think you've just a heads up now, we'll probably do more of that. Um, to memorize some more verses so that we can be ready when we go out there and go out tracking letter books and etc. So we need to have a knowledge of the Bible because the verse says, um, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Um, so, if we are seasoned with salt, if we are um, being smart and have knowledge of the Bible, then we can um, answer every man. So, we need to be ready. If someone asks a question about God, not a man. Um, we need to know the answer. So, um, yeah, seasoned with salt. Uh, Next. Uh, finally, moving on from vocal image, I think I spoke over time on that, but it's okay. Next responsibility, basically, of uh, the responsibility of um, 
I walk with God, having a walk with God. The responsibility of having a walk with God and or is slash redeeming the time that you're taking us. So I talked a short bit about this uh, last Sunday, but I stopped. But um, so yeah, everyone knows that, I think yeah, all the people here, we know that we've been preached that we need to redeem the time. We need to share the gospel. We need to do this and that. We all know that. Um, and we need to, yeah, we all know that we, okay, we need to have a time with God, our own devotion, family devotion, every day, without failure, morning and evening. We all know that. Yeah? And I believe that we are still on fire from that solar and revival that we had. And some of us have that desire to change. Yeah? I know I have that desire to change, and I'm trying to work on it. Um, I think one of the things that I really want to add is, in those revival meetings, um, you know, you might be revived, but I also want to make us a, a do now, or what to do from here, that they can give us. So, that's what I'm kind of trying to do. So, um, right now, everyone knows we need to redeem the time because the days are evil, as Ephesians 5, 16. And with the youth, I preach on time. How much time will be best? So, um, but, yeah, everyone, I'll just move on. But everyone knows that we need to study the Bible. Um, but yet, we still fail, right? We have periods in which we are on fire, you know, studying the Word, praying every day. Um, you know, we're learning a lot, um, but then in a few weeks, a few days even, we burn out. So we go back to normal. Um, maybe, oftentimes, you might, I think everyone does this, but a lot of families, they start like uh, the Bible reading or on January 1. Let's, let's read the Bible. And I think a lot of families have done that. Give it one month. Come. My family has done that all the time. Doesn't work. So, um, everyone, uh, no, sorry. What I'll tell you guys is this everyone knows that what's and the what. So, uh, what I mean by that is that um, everyone knows that, oh, uh, what should I study? Oh, the Bible, of course. Now, why should I study? Of course, I'm to have a closer walk with God, so I can grow spiritually and be able to learn more and to share the gospel. We all know the what and the why, right? And, you know, that's always preached to us. But I guess um, everyone knows the what and the why, but now I wanted to focus on the hows. And I think that's very important because it's essentially the answer to our what and our why. So that means how can I have a consistent walk with God? And how can I study his word? How can I redeem the time when I'm out there in the world? Now, before I continue, um, this is what has sent me, because I haven't been doing it long yet, but it is working. This is what has worked for me. Um, but, of course, what I'm about to say, you have to make it cater to yourself. What works for me will, might not work for you. So change it to yourself. And I want you guys to leave here with the house and to add some changes in your life. Pray that God will show you the proper way that works for you. So, uh, I wanted to focus here with your time with God, your devotions. Um, make it cater to you. Um, so, just, yeah, because we're all different. So, your responsibility of a daily walk in God. So, that is our devotions. Your personal devotions and your family devotions and prayer time. And these are things that we are meant to do daily, correct? Now, 
a lot of us, it's the phrase that we hear so often. I want to serve God. I want to be more for God. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to. We keep saying it, right? I want to serve God. It's a lot different to say than to actually do. Uh, I'm not trying to shame you guys, but that's me too. I'll be, you know, I'll be the first to raise my head up here. If you've had phases of being on fire and then not on fire and then on fire and on fire, just put your hands up. Everyone. If I phases on fire for the Lord, something happens off the fire. Another solar in the Bible comes up on fire. And then another problem on fire. And the camp comes up on fire. It's a cycle that we all go through. Um, especially with our walk in God and our devotion. You know, we're really on fire. Praying and we're reading every day, all the time. For a while, it dies down. Now, I want to, I guess, it's hard. Biblical tips, but I want to give a, a few tips or maybe potential ways to help if this is something that I'm doing. Maybe it'll work for you, maybe it doesn't. You're not to stop me. But I'll establish this. Um, I think we all know, but it is important to an sound sheet. It is necessary to be in God's Word daily. You guys already know that. But it is necessary to be in God's Word daily. It is our spiritual food. Need to have food every day of our lives. You will have your physical food too much, but not our spiritual food. So, um, yeah, and ideally, uh, I have morning and evening. I think some people just do in the morning, but it's important to also do evening. And I understand that that's difficult, maybe straight away, but we will I'll explain later. Joshua 1 8. One of the um, most famous verses in the Bible, this book of the Lord shall not depart out of thy mouth. And this part here, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. And thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make them prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So now, I will start on the house. What does work for me? Um, so, maybe it can work for you. But I want you guys, if you're taking notes, this is important. Uh, I'm going to have you guys write two words and uh, two definitions. So the two words are goals, and the second word is systems. So that's goals and systems. Now, I'll explain what they are. What is a goal? That's obvious. A goal is the, an objective, basically, or a goal. When you write this down, a goal is the end result. So the goal is the end result. Now, I'm going to give you guys two definitions for the system. So, the system is the process for achieving that goal. So that's the first definition there. The process of achieving your goal. And I'll give you the second one now. Process of achieving the goal. The second definition of a system is a set of rules to follow when I don't feel like doing it. I'll say that again. System, a set of rules that I will follow when I don't feel like doing it. So, I'll give a few examples so you might not be confused. If I have a goal about getting a six pack, being fit, so that's my goal. The process, um, sorry, the system is me 
going to the gym, exercising, eating correct. Yeah, so the goal is having that good body, and then the system is doing the work, the process of doing those things. If I want good grades, let's say my goal is getting an A plus in this subject, the process is studying every day so I can get good grades. Yeah? Oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> Spiritual maturity. Your goal is, I want to serve God, I want to serve God, I want to do more for God, I want to serve God. But none of us have that process. Now that process, oh, I keep saying process, but that system, there's like a system to actually achieve the goal of, I want to serve God, I want to serve God. So I'll um, focus on that. Everyone has goals, we all have the same goals, but we all pretty much have different systems. Now, you know, put your hands up if you want to learn more about God. You want to learn more about God? Yeah. Everyone, but most people put their hand up. That is everyone's goal, to learn more about God. Now I'll explain how you can make a system on doing that. Like I said, I was talking about daily devotions before, right? The common system that people do, the one that I hear pretty much often is, they read one more, uh, one chapter in the morning and pray. I think, so right now, we'll have that system right now. They will read one chapter in the morning and then pray. And to be honest, first of all, if that works for you, sure. If that works for you, well done. But in honesty, towards me, that doesn't work for me. So reading one chapter in the morning, and I don't think it will, won't work for most. My goal is to do the daily devotion, keyword, daily. But I have the on fire, on fire phase, off the phase, when I'm doing the one chapter and prayer. That, that's just me. It doesn't work for me. If I ask you this, if you do that one chapter in the morning, how much of that chapter do you remember? So when you do your, oh, I got to do my chapter in the morning, when you're groggy and you just woke up, how much of that chapter will you remember in that 15 minutes? Me, probably nothing, most of the time, when I do that one chapter in the morning. So, that's just me because, you know, reading is one of my weaknesses. I don't read often, and a lot of things go into my job here, and that's just me. So, um, yeah, ask yourself that. If you, when you read that chapter in the morning, how much are you remembering? There's a difference in, write this down, there's a difference in reading the Bible and understanding it. I'll say that again, there's a difference in reading the Bible and understanding it. Just give me 10. Um, that's also why I don't like the, um, uh, you guys have heard of the read your Bible in a year. Personally, I, I'm not a fan of that. If it works for you, good job, sure. Then it works. But in that, you're essentially reading five, six chapters in one day. Maybe even more. But if you were to ask yourself, how much of those five, six chapters do you remember? When my family did that, I remembered none of them. We just did it for the sake of doing it for our New Year's resolution. You know? Um, I don't read really, uh, much. So, um, and I'll ask you this, if you are doing that, if you are, are you only reading the Bible for this year? No, you're reading it hopefully for the rest of your life. So why do you need to read it all in one year? 
I remember the Bible only one year. I don't know how much do you remember. Ask yourself that. So, I would, I'll say this. I would rather you, keyword here, I would rather you understand and remember one verse in the Bible than for you to read five chapters in a day. I would rather you understand, meaning you know this verse, you can um, harvest it from the back of your mind, you can recall it. I would rather you understand that one verse than you reading just five chapters in one day and just forgetting everything in the next three hours. Because a lot of us, we're reading the Bible for the sake of reading the Bible. Reading the Bible because mom and dad told me, because pastor Adrian told me. So now, I've done that. Here is your system. Now, there's a, there's a rule when it comes to a system. You have to make it easy. Very easy. Elementary level easy. Because it has to be easy because it's something that you can you have to do every day. So if you want to be able to do it every day, it has to be easy. Low effort enough where um, you know it doesn't really hinder you. And because our end goal is making it a habit. I guess a lot of us don't have the habit of a daily time with God. So our goal is to make habit with God. So that's why I, that's why I say your system has to be easy and easily attainable. I'll tell you this, I've been doing this system now for about two, three weeks, and it's very low effort, but the thing is, I am, from when I started until now, it's still consistent. I'm still on that system, I'll explain here. My system, which is easy, is just 15 minutes of devotion and prayer in the morning and evening. That's it. 15 minutes in the morning, I'll just get up, Read my Bible for a bit, pray just for 15 minutes. It's something low effort and easy. Now, I know I can do this easily, but that's the point. It has to be easy. Because it's easy, I can follow it with no problem. By God's grace, I, I, don't, I sometimes don't even have to think about it. My body just gets up, grabs my Bible, goes outside, I like to read outside. Goes outside and start reading. I'll grab my Bible, I'll grab my devotion. 15 minutes, that's all you need. That's better than doing, what, zero minutes? <coughs> so, might not even have to be 15. You can do 10 minutes. You can do 5 minutes. You can not even have the devotion. You can just do a prayer. Well, of course I want you to do a devotion, but it depends on the level you're at and that once it needs to suit you. So, just do that 10 minutes, 5 minutes. Myself, I think most of us can do 15. But, yeah, so we've established that. Okay, I'll spend this amount of time, say, 15 minutes. In the morning and evening, that's, that's simple. Um, how do you study? I set a system like this. I don't, mine isn't read. It's understand. It's what I've written down. Just understand a few verses. Understand three verses. So just, like I said, there's a difference between reading and understanding. Understanding means to be able to recall it from the back of your mind. Reading it over and over. And um, yeah, the Bible is our spiritual food. And you really need it. Really digest it. Don't just grab it, chew it for two seconds, swallow it. No, you're not going to digest it with your five chapters a day or your thing. So um, you have to um, set some systems for yourself. So that's me. 15 minutes in the morning and evening. My devotional. I have a devotional on that. I will get to me. Um, in the beginning, I was like, oh, I'll read a chapter of it. There's like 10 chapters in it, so I'll get through in 10 days. It was 
10 chapters in that devotional that he gave me. And my, my system in the beginning was, oh, I can do a chapter a day. But the chapters were like eight pages long. And I finished the chapter and then I reflected. I don't remember a single thing. That's a bad system. Because the system was hard, and then it was hard to say to the the system has to be easy. For now, every time I study that emotion, it's like this much Very tiny, very minuscule, very easy. But I am digesting that work. So, yeah. Um, okay, I'll close it off here. So, I don't do <laughs> redeeming the time here, but um, everyone says, I'm busy. You're not busy. Everyone has time. You don't have time, make time. Um, if I, I, okay, myself here, I have tried, my goal is to um, take on my biggest time wasters. And um, one of them for me, I, I think, um, is me. I think later on, is um, Brother Michael's telling me, you need to delete TikTok or Instagram. Myself, Instagram is my biggest problem time wasted. So I realized that, but my system is, I didn't just delete it straight away because knowing me, I would probably get urges to re-download it, to you know, get it off the app store to download it. That's, that's the trick. I feel like if I were to just delete it on that day, I'll probably come back again in weeks, months later. So I, I guess I took small steps or a small step to achieve that goal. I think it's better to do Small steps and achieving the goal than to just make sprints and then find out that way. So what I've done is, um, sorry, I'm just, is I have a time block, time blocking app. Um, and you guys, I want you know to use if you're convicted of your phone right now, you can do it too. But every time I open Instagram, um, sorry. Every time I open Instagram, my little screen pops up. So I'm going to take a deep breath. And there's so much time going on here that it makes me feel guilty. Yeah, okay, no, I'm going to go. 20, this number here, I've opened Instagram 21 times in the last 24 hours. Me looking at that number will make me feel useless. Like, oh, what are you doing? So, because of this, it is like half of my screen time. And I've reached the point when there are stages where I do scroll, and um, where I do scroll, and I feel like oh, it's not working. That's me taking steps. Yeah. So anyway, um, identify your time wasters, redeem the time, etc. I'm gonna leave this whole thing out. I'm gonna uh, close us in a word of prayer, but I hope that um, you guys um, have learned something new. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for um, being with us, Lord, and thank you for this lesson on the topic of responsibilities, our vocal image, and learning um, everything, Lord. I pray that you just give us your wisdom and protect us, Lord, as we to, um, continue with our life. And Lord, help us to set some goals and some systems to change up how we can act on our life. So Lord, continue to be with us and protect us as we go home in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.